Greetings and welcome to another episode of Credo Podcast. I'm Father Peter Duganzik. You know, in today's world, we have lots of things going on. We have a lot of people who are trying to make decisions. And those decisions need to be conformed to the truth as revealed by God. And so I talk to a lot of people and I spend a lot of time trying to discern and to help people to understand truth. Today's episode, I want to talk about morality in a deeper sense. Basically, what constitutes a moral action and how can we evaluate or discern what is truly moral? But let's first begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus Christ, font of all truth, I call upon you now to send the spirit of truth upon all who will hear these words. May your truth reside within them, your love be manifest through them, and the grace that you have given us all be for the end for which you have given it, to become truly holy and moral people. We ask this of you who are Lord forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I know a lot of people today, we have a lot of different things going on. So we look at our politicians, we look at our church leaders, we look at different people, and we begin to ask ourselves, how should I comport myself? What should I do? How can I understand what it truly means to be a free human moral subject? And that's a real struggle today because we're getting so many conflicting opinions, if you will. And when it comes to the Catholic approach to this, we don't deal in opinion, we deal in truth. So we have to ask ourselves, like when we're talking about the political world, when we're talking about votes, when we're talking about all these things, I want to put all of that aside for a minute so that we can first understand who we are and what we are doing. In the Catechism, we talk about the morality of human acts. If you go to paragraph 1750 and following, you can find out what the three fonts of morality are. Now, where I struggle the most with people, especially under the dictatorship of relativism, is clarifying the morality of an act. See, people have this image that decision-making comes with an angel on one shoulder, a devil on the other shoulder, and you, the person in the middle, trying to figure out which one I should do. It really doesn't quite work that way. It's not the battle between good and evil when it comes to making a morally good choice and act. What it comes down to is discernment. And at the heart of discernment is the good. See, we live in a world where, where uh, good and evil are two things that are equal in status, and we're the arbiter between which one is the right way to go. However, we've always said you can never choose evil, and yet so many people think today that my freedom is ordered towards basically choosing evil if I want to. If I really want to be a fornicator, if I really want to be an adulterer, if I really want to be a liar and a cheat and a glutton, well, that's up to me. That's my choice, isn't it? But in making those choices, have we committed a grave moral evil? Have we done something that would keep us out of the kingdom of God? Have we in some way acted that would exclude us, and if we died in that moment, would send us to hell? See, this is where we struggle. Probably one of the best books that I've ever read on this was by a survey Pinkairs called The Source of Christian Ethics, where he points out that it is up to us, the, the freedom we're given is a freedom for excellence, and it's up to us to discern the good and then will that alone. See, anything else is a defective use of our freedom, and that's why we call it sin. There is a real brokenness 
And when we do that, yeah, we've basically disrupted the moral continuum that was created by God. So here's, here's what I want to focus on for a second. The three fonts of morality of human acts. We forget this. There is the object co chosen, the end in view or the intention and the circumstances of the actions. Now, back in the 90s, Pope John Paul II had released a document called Veritatis Splendor because even within Catholic moral theology, errors had crept in. I know it's hard to believe that theology could be an error, but it was. And it was terribly an error because it was kind of modeling itself on secular ways and the secular approaches to ethics and, and morals. See, we're the Catholic Church. We know that there is a revealed truth from God. We know that there are things that are what they are in themselves before anything is acted upon them. Now, how many times have we said, oh, you know, he, he's basically a good person. He had good intentions for you know, shooting that person. Well, he might have had good intentions for shooting that person, but it didn't change the object of the act of killing another human being. I see this most especially in these debates on abortion. Is it ever good to kill an innocent human being? Is it ever good to kill someone who is not threatening you, who is not attacking you, who is not doing anything to you? Is it ever good? The object of the act is basically the, the object chosen is a good towards which the will deliberately directs itself. See, when you talk about a human act, what is the act in itself before intention or before circumstances? Because without discerning this first, what are we about to do? And so, yes, can there be some evil act committed where the culpability of that act can be mitigated by an intention or a circumstance? Yes, we believe that is possible, but the evil of the act still remains. This is key. The evil of the act still remains. The object has not changed. So when killing that other person, is it right to kill another human being? Well, the evil of murder is always the evil of murder. Thou shalt not kill. There, there's no way that we can play with that. So a person has done an evil. It's an evil act killing another. But if that person is threatening me, is coming after me with a gun or a knife themselves, is coming at me in a defensive posture, it is not my intent to kill, but my intent to defend. And so I foresee the possibility of having to use lethal force, but that's, that's got to be the last thing. It's got to be what I'm trying to avoid. And yet so often today, we, we have so many examples in front of us of people just you know, kill him. Well, I had to kill him because he was threatening my way of life. Well, that's not self-defense. You know, my way of life, yes, yeah, someone's threatening my way of life. We work on fixing that part of it. But, you know, killing another human being, that's pretty serious. When we look at the object chosen, we have to understand what the object is in itself. And can we legitimately choose that object? Because if it's an evil, especially an intrinsic evil, it can never be willed without it being sin, particularly we'll call it mortal sin. Grave moral evils chosen are mortal sins. And mortal sins will deprive us of the kingdom of God. We cannot get into heaven with mortal sin on our souls. It just can't happen.
Let's talk for a second now after talking about the object, whether it is good in itself, evil in itself. And if it's intrinsically evil, if it's always wrong, can never be willed without being a grave moral evil. What about intention? What is the end? Now, this is something that really, really was a problem because, and we see it a lot today. There are people who basically say, oh yeah, no, his intention is good. Therefore, it makes everything okay. First, we have to ask ourselves when we talk about an intention, what is the end we're trying to accomplish? Because that's what also will help. It's not, it's not that you know, someone can justify their actions because they have a good intention, because that was debunked by Thomas Aquinas centuries ago, that you may not do evil, that good may come of it. So a good intention cannot change the grave evil of an ob- in the object of an act. If it is intrinsically disordered, if it is intrinsically evil, can never be fixed by a good intention. This is something that's kind of dicey because we're used to hearing about good intentions. Probably an even bigger problem is when we look at a particular act, we tend to get mired in this casuistry. Let's look at the case itself and try to figure out what's going on in the case. And somewhere along the line, we lost that connection to morality, to the object of the act. And so we no longer ask, is that act in and of itself an evil act? Because we have to know that. See, intention is something that we have to to say, well, what is the end being accomplished? So someone might do a good act. They might give alms to the poor. They might help out a neighbor, but they're doing it because they want to win their trust so that they can cheat them out of their property or they might want to you know, give to the poor so that they can develop their resume so that they can get into the college of choice, or they might want to have everybody think so favorably of them or, or vote for them in the next election. Look, look what a good person I am. I'm feeding the poor. Well, that good act can be tainted by a bad intention. That we have to remember. So intention and object of the act have to work hand in hand in many ways. I have to intend the good and I have to do it for the right reason so that the end of what I'm trying to accomplish is good. The last thing that we have, and I want to just briefly touch upon this because this is one of the biggest problems we have, are the circumstances. And the church has always, always said that circumstances are secondary elements. They're not primary elements. So the situation in which I find myself is important. The surroundings and what is feeding into what I'm about to do are important. But we have to remember that circumstances alone cannot make a moral evil into something good or, you know, change the intention that someone had that's either good or evil. The circumstances just contribute to the whole uh, moral goodness of an act. So we have to remember that circumstances do not change the the moral quality of the act. They can neither um, make, they can make neither good or right an action that is itself evil. So circumstances can never make evil good. That being said, I'm getting tired of hearing things like my body, my choice. First off, freedom doesn't rely in cho- uh, reside in our choice. It resides in the will, and we must will the good. My body is my body, but I can't will evil upon my own body, first and foremost, forgetting the fact that if there is a baby inside of another human being who has to depend on that human being for survival, that's a whole separate question. I'll get to that in a second. But can I do evil to my body? Can I just wake up one morning 
and cut off an arm because I just think it's in the way. I, I had trouble sleeping the night before because my arm kept getting in the way. Therefore, just cut it off. Can I commit that kind of an evil? Can I just chop it off? Anybody would say that, you know, cutting up your body or destroying your body is an evil act. In itself, its object is an evil act. So nobody would disagree with that. So I can't, I don't have an absolute freedom to do whatever I want. I have an absolute freedom to do the good. And to do the good means that I should be protecting my body. I should be checking my health. I should be trying to do all that I can to preserve the good that is my body. But when it comes to then pregnancy, and, and there's so many other factors when it comes to pregnancy, and I understand the circumstances sometimes that could end up in pregnancy. Again, circumstances are the secondary elements, and we still want to rest our argument on secondary elements. Putting that aside, we have to ask ourselves if a human life, a separate human life, has come into existence inside of another human being, that human being having a distinct DNA from the moment of conception. See, we didn't know this back in the Middle Ages when there might have been debates on insolment. Those days are gone. We know that what has come into existence is a distinct, separate human person, an individual substance with a rational nature. That human substance now exists. So even when someone says, my body, if you want to think that's even part of your body, you still can't do evil that good may come of it. You still can't do an evil act. You can't will intentional evil. It just is not possible. So people who make that argument are making a, fall a fallacious argument. You cannot say, my body, my choice. Therefore, because I consider it my body, which it's not, I can do evil to it. You can't kill an innocent human being, period. Regardless of what intentions you may have, the intention can't change that evil, and certainly the circumstances can't change that evil into a good. Here's where we struggle today. We are so mired in circumstantialism. We are so mired in situationalism. We are so mired, I want to even say, in intentionalism, that we've forgotten to evaluate good and evil based on what they are in themselves. And so I go back once again to say that, yes, it is our responsibility to protect innocent human life. And I can't just idly stand by when someone says, oh, it's my choice to kill this innocent human being and not try to intervene. People will say, stay out of it, my body, my choice. You can't interfere with it. Well, if I see somebody on a destructive course, if I see someone who's about to kill themselves, do I not try to intervene and try to stop it? It's a really thick problem that we're dealing with today. But I will say this, the church does this out of love and compassion because love wills the good of the other. And the ultimate good of the other is getting into the kingdom of God at the time of death. If I die in sin, I ain't going to heaven. It's just not going to happen. And if, and, and if I'm on the wrong course, and I'm, you know, unaware how far off the course I am, and someone comes along and tries to help me, I shouldn't fight them. They're trying to love me into heaven. So, yes, I do have a responsibility. Maybe next time what I'd like to do is to spend a little time talking about now what walks hand in hand with this, which are the works of mercy, particularly instructing the ignorant and warning the sinner. 
But that's for another podcast. Today, I just want to wrap this up by saying we're in a very, very complicated time. We Catholics cannot, cannot, cannot participate in evil. We cannot cooperate with evil. We cannot do anything that allows evil to take hold in our society. We must stand strong in the truth, and it's the truth as ordained by God. And with sufficient reflection, with sufficient discernment, we can understand what is a good and will that, and what is an evil and avoid that. And so today, most especially, pray for me, pray for all church leaders, pray for all of those who are tasked with leading and guiding the faithful, that we do lead them and guide them in the way of truth and moral, and moral action. And please know that I always keep you in my prayers and intentions, and I ask God to bless you and give you peace. And so I call upon Almighty God now to bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.